All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Proverbs tonight. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 28 is where we'll be reading tonight. I want to preach a very simple message entitled, Dealing with the Tantrums. Dealing with the Tantrums. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Uh, the reason why it's entitled that is because we live in a PC, politically correct culture. We live in a generation where people get so upset so easy, get so offended so easy. I mean, it's a hypersensitive generation. We live in a time and a day and age where I read recently an, an article where they, you know, about Popeye. How many remember Popeye, that cartoon, you know? Eat, yeah, Popeye the Sailor Man, eat your spinach, get big and strong. Anyway, they banned this cartoon because he was eating spinach and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and then they, I read just recently the other day, just, just very, yesterday actually, uh, they actually removed the skunk character from Space Jam 2 that's coming out recently. They removed this character because this particular character was promoting rape culture. I mean, this is a generation where everything is going to be cancelled out. It's too offensive. Oh, you can't say that now. It's, it's hypersensitive. And so we live in a day and age where people are completely throwing tantrums here, left, right and center, and maybe even said, even in the church, that when Jesus calls people or when people are, I guess, dealt with, they begin to throw spiritual tantrums. Listen, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to learn how to deal with your emotions. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Dealing with our emotions. Being disciples who are not emotionally led, but being spiritually led. Come on, somebody. You know what? When we decide to say, man, I don't, I'm, I'm making some mistakes. I'm living by my flesh here. I'm doing all these things, but I'm not living by the Spirit. And we need to learn how to respond to life's difficulties in a way that glorifies God, not gratifying our flesh. Amen? Amen. Let me say that again. We need to learn how to respond to life's difficulties in a way that glorifies God, not gratifying our flesh. I mean, when a child throws a tantrum, it's, it's, it's not a good scene. Any, you know, anyone with parents understand, you know what, man, it's, you know, you'll be in the shops and your child throws a tantrum and you're just kind of like, oh, Ray, you come here now, you know, ready to, you know. My, my son, I mean, you know what, he, turn off the game, son. Yeah. Unless I, where did it come? It come out in the name of Jesus, you know, it's like, whoa, where did, it's like, you know what, throwing a tantrum. And you'd expect that from a kid, right? You, you expect, okay, listen, you're a kid, you you're going to get smacked for that. Come on. But how much more disgusting and when, when adults act like children, when they begin to, oh, how dare you say that? And then they become oh, emotional and it's like, oh, I don't want to go to church today because sister over there said this to me. <laughs> Brothers, you know what? It's like, man, and so raising disciples in this day and age is difficult. Because listen, when we live in this day and age, may not infiltrate the culture of the church, where now it's like, oh, you can't say that now. And then the preaching, what ends up happening is now pastor can't preach these messages. Listen, I'm going to preach truth as long as I live. I'm going to preach the word of God as long as I live. As long as there's breath in my lungs, I'm preaching truth. And I'm sorry if it hurts. I'm not sorry. Listen, I'm, you know what? I'm going to preach truth. And if it convicts you, praise the Lord, because that's where true change comes. And so when a child is throwing tantrums, it's a willful act of disobedience, right? To defy and undermine your authority as a parent. And you're teaching your kids to get rule over your spirit, over your emotions. In Proverbs 25 verse 28, 
tells us this verse very so simple and so profound. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. New Living Translation says a person without self-control. Everyone say self-control. Is like a city with broken down walls. You see, the thing is that as we walk this walk, this spiritual journey, listen, there are going to be times where you'll be challenged emotionally. There are going to be times where you're going to be offended. There are going to be times where your flesh will be like, oh my goodness, that's like, how are you going to respond? How Are you going to throw tantrums? You know, because there's so many scriptures, so many stories. God calls Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. He throws a tantrum and he goes to Hawaii. Now he goes to Nineveh. He's like, I don't want to go there, Lord. He's like, oh, I'm going there. And he goes and buys a fare. He goes and purchases a one-way ticket, the whole different journey. Has, throws a you know, little tantrum, goes his own way, does his own journey. We see this in the people of Israel. They begin to throw tantrums to God. When God delivered them out of slavery, God brings them through the wilderness and they throw tantrums. They're like, I don't want this manna, Lord, this coming from heaven. That's like, wow, miracle. I want, to, I want the food from Egypt. And they throw tantrums. And listen, I want to say this. You know, be careful when you throw spiritual tantrums. Because God is going to discipline you. Amen. He disciplines whom he loves. Romans tells us this. So listen to our first point tonight. Let's consider the inner winner chicken dinner. <laughs> True story. Under the, under the great society programs of U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson, they started building these high-rise apartment buildings in many cities throughout the country to help house these poor people uh, who are from the slums and from the ghettos in order to help them uh, have a quality life, help them improve in their quality of life. However, what ended up happening in this short period of time, these new high-rise buildings became the slums, became the ghettos. Because get this, these particular high-rise buildings were like, wow, amazing. Get this, they were in such a state of disrepair that they had to break it down. They had to tear down these beautiful, uh, you know what, uh, buildings. And the saying is true. You can take the people out of the slums but you can't take the slums out of the people. And the same thing happened to the children of Israel on how they were delivered out of Egypt. You know, many times we read, they wanted to go back to the land of Egypt. They wanted to eat what was from Egypt. And what took one night to get the children of Israel out of Egypt took 40 years to, to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. And the reason I said that is because, listen, a person will never have dominion a person will never succeed in life by just merely making external changes. Listen, you just can't be, you know what, leaning on, oh, I just got to do a two-step program. I got to do this so that, that way I don't have to go back into my old life. That ain't going to work. This is why this has got to be a spiritual change that happens on the inside. Change has got to start from the inside. Inner winner chicken dinner. Come on, this change has got to begin on the inside because this is why repentance is a beautiful thing this is why repentance is an amazing thing because when we repent it's a changing it's a supernatural transformation repentance means a change of mind and Romans 12 verse 2 says be conformed not to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that word transformed means metanoia that word metanoia 
is where we derive the word metamorphosis from. And it's the picture of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Metamorphosis, this wonderful change. And that is exactly what God does in our lives. When we repent, transformation begins to begin in our minds. We're now being transformed from the old ways, the old patterns that we used to live in the world. What we used to now, you know what, when things happen, when we respond how we used to in the world. But God is telling us, listen, you need to repent. It needs to start on the inside of your heart so you don't do the things that you want to do and so true change happens on the inside come on it needs to happen supernaturally it needs to happen from God it's not about having a religious facade come to church and all of a sudden you go back out there and you're still not the same listen Jesus was so direct to the Pharisees about this he was so direct about Christians and people coming to church, having this facade, all holy, all religious and prestigious, all looking all good on the outside. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, listen to these stern words. Matthew 23, verse 25, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence that's translated unrighteousness filled with all unrighteousness verse 26 blind pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be clean also you know these pharisees i mean they were just so concerned about their outward works they were so concerned about their appearance uh, because they wanted other people to see them but jesus i mean he strips them bear right into their hearts takes us into their hearts and he says sin begins within you and for us to change outwardly we need to find it inwardly where we repent and God changes us listen to Mark chapter 7 verse 21 then he said what comes out of a person that defiles him for from within out of people's hearts come evil thoughts sexual immoralities thefts murders Mark 7 verse 22 says adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, lewdness, stinginess, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. Get this in verse 23. And all evil things come from within and defile a person. And you know what? You can come to church and look all good. You can come to church and, ah, oh, yes, sweet, looking nice and, and good. But Jesus sees deep inside our hearts. It says, listen, if you want a real change, listen, if you want to make it in your spiritual journey through life, you've got to repent. You've got to have this transformation that begins inside of you. And how do these things get into our hearts? It's a good question. How do these things get into our hearts? When we're trying to struggle, well, it says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinks within himself, thinks within himself, so he is. He's thinking about these evil thoughts. He's allowing these things to come into his life. And so he is. How many know we need God to do a miracle inside of us? How many know we need God and his supernatural power to, to do things that we can't do ourselves? Man, it's been years uh, since I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And, and so many times I'd respond by my emotions. There's so many times where I'd be ticked off easily. I'm just like, man, how do I live like a Christian? It was because of this very thing that, you know, my own mindset was still in place. But I had to come back to Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the things of the world. You, you can't think like you used to. You can't act like you used to in the world. You've got to renew your mind. Transformation begins when you re renew your mind. 
And that transformation begins through repentance. So that, you know what? Miracles need to start on the inside so that we can represent Christ better on the outside. And in order for us to do this, listen very carefully, self-discipline is required. Our scripture tells us again, listen very carefully, whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. I'm telling you, you know what, for you to change, listen, for you to have some security about you, you've got to have self-discipline. So let's talk about, secondly, self-discipline and emotions. Now, there's a great book that I've read, and it's called Sweat of Equity by Greg Stark, Martin's brother. <laughs> Greg Stark, Martin's name is Stark. Amen. So there's a, there's a book, and he's a, he's a professional athlete. He's a trainer, and he helps athletes. He helps businessmen and women achieve optimum levels in their sphere or their workplace. Uh, but he, it's a very good book because in it he mentions that there are only 8%, listen if you're taking note, there are only 8% of people who achieve their goals by the end of the year. 8%. And I love this quote that he says because he, he gives a statistic that I found really interesting. He says this and I quote, A study by Journal of Clinical Psychology shows that 44% of people give up on their resolutions before February with only 8% achieving the goals by year end. 8%. I mean, 44% of people give up on their resolutions just a few weeks ago. What about you tonight? What about you? Have you begun to make some New Year resolutions? 2020, yeah, it was a year, you know, COVID. 2021, that's my year. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden, now you're going back. You know, one day goes by, one week goes by, one month goes by. And you're like, man, I'm back to the start where I used to. And most of the time, most of the reasons why people don't go forward is because of their lack of discipline. The lack of discipline and the lack of self-control when it comes to their emotions. So emotional. Listen, self-discipline determines which emotional button you will push in every situation of life. I say that again. Self-discipline determines which emotional button you will push in every situation of life. You know, maybe at the start of the year you thought, you know what, okay, I'm going to lose some weight. Maybe you, you said at the start of the year, you vowed, I'm going to start exercising regularly. Maybe you say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to start eating healthy. For me, no more ice cream. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to start maybe reading more. Maybe I'm going to start praying more. Maybe I'm going to start, you know what? Putting these spiritual disciplines in place. But then we find a few days go by, a few weeks, a few months go by, and we're back into our habits. Some of you tonight have lost your fire. Some of you tonight have lost your enthusiasm. You've given up. You've quit. You've thrown in the towel. Some of you have even gone back to Egypt. Some of you have gone back to your old lifestyle and you put back the chains in which you were freed from. You've gone back to your drinking. You've gone back to the alcohol, the cigarettes. You've gone back to the pornography. You've gone back to the sex outside of marriage. You've gone back to your old lifestyle. And it tells us very clearly about backslidden people. Proverbs 26 verse 11 says, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. How's that vomit tasting like, sister? How's the vomit tasting like, brother? Is it because when you look back over your life and you think, man, why am I back to square one? 
Listen, it's very carefully, it's so important, it's because of a lack of discipline. A lack of discipline and lack of self-control. And stats have shown that most people have given up and man, we're only in March. And I want you to get a revelation of this for yourself. It's so important because one of the major keys to your success in life is self-discipline. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I mean, you think about the words used, described here in that text. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, mm, he's talking to himself, I myself should be disqualified. So he's saying, you know what, I can't you know, tell people about this and, and not live in myself. And I've then become disqualified. I'm like, oh, you got to do this. You gotta. But yet inwardly, there's no discipline in our own lives. Self-discipline is essential for spiritual growth and maturity. Second Peter chapter 1, 5 through to 6. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. When you study the word self-control, the Greek word is aggressia, which refers to the holding on of passions and desires in hand. Self-control, a holding on of passions and desires in hand. The word was used of one who masters his desires, who has a control over his passions, especially with his sexual desires. In Titus chapter 1 verse 8, the word is used in reference to an elder holding himself in control. In Galatians 5.23, self-control is used and is listed as the fruit of the Spirit. You know what? Self-control is biblical. It's a, you know what? It's, it's, it's made for us. We should begin to look into it and say, man, what's going on with my life? As, as we begin to uh, minister, hey, you know what? Go in the second mile. How are we traveling that first mile? How are we going to get to the second mile? It's got to be through self-discipline. So let's talk about thirdly, the bad and the ugly. Because how many of you know, you know what? Life can become bad and ugly. But you can prevent that. You can prevent your life from becoming bad and ugly. You can prevent your life from becoming so destroyed. And so we need God to work on the inside of us. God, we need you to work on our flesh. We need you where true change begins when we repent, when we begin to renew our minds daily. And we learn that we need to grow and need of this self-control. We need self-discipline. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, my weakness, even my children have said uh, to me, Dad, your weakness is ice cream. And uh, whenever my wife asks me, you know, go to the shops, please. Can you pick up some bread and milk? I'd come back with some ice cream. <laughs> I'd come back with the uh, delicious ice cream and I've got different flavors and everything. And, uh, you know, no joke, no discipline. I'm just out there. But I noticed, man, my wife would say to me, hey, hmm, even tap my belly. You know, <laughs> let me just close this up a bit. <laughs> just tap my belly and say, hey. And she's indicating, hey, what's going on, man? I even, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm sharing this. I'll be real with you. I even went to the bakery <laughs> just down here. I went to the bakery and the lady, lovely lady, hey, pastor, oh, look at you. You're getting a bit fat. <laughs> I was like, I was doing the face of the, you know, the actions. I was like, wow, <laughs> see you later. Uh, I'm, I'm out, man. Is that an indication? You know, and so I'm like, wow, here it is. You know, I'm just like, man, 
I'm like, God, <laughs> why are people so rude? <laughs> and so, you know, I decided, man, I, I decided, listen, I, I might have to, you know, get some discipline in place. I decided, you know, I'm going to try my hardest and get off Fat Belly Boulevard. <laughs> I'm going to have to try and say, hey, listen, and you know what made me do this? I actually looked myself in the mirror. And listen, this is what you need to do. If you're taking note, you've got to look yourself in the mirror. And you've got to look at the, the bad and the ugly. I mean, some of you look at the mirror and say, like, mm, I, I look good. <laughs> Woo! Sorry, pastor, that's your battle. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we, we need to look ourselves in the mirror. Michael Jackson, look in the mirror in the mirror, make some change. Ask yourselves the question. When you see the ugly in your character, in your flaws, when you look at yourself and realize, you know what, what are some things I need to change? What are some things that, that I can see in that mirror right there that I need to change? You need to look yourself in the mirror of God's word. You have to look inside the mirror of God's word and say, God, how am I traveling? David prayed in his prayers, search me, O God, see if there be any wickedness in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. And you know, when you begin to look at yourself in the mirror, when you ask yourself these questions, when you pray to God and he begins to reveal these things. I've been praying recently some really scary prayers. God, I need to expose some things in me so that I can see what I need to change. Some things in my life that are, that are blind spots in my life. God, reveal them to me so that I can change. And I'm telling you, when you begin to look at the, the bad and the ugly, this is where you begin to put in some disciplines in your life. What are some practical areas? You might be starting to go to the gym. Because when you implement something real and tangible, that's when we begin the process of self-discipline. Because when you take yourself seriously, God begins to look down and say, yep, this guy's serious about his growth. This sister's serious about growing. And listen, God comes alongside you and helps you to overcome it. He gives you the strength that you need. So let's close with the keys to self-discipline. It starts with your mind. It starts in your mind. You got to believe the word of God. The fruit of the spirit says self-control. You got to believe it. God, I'm, I'm believing this, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And you got to be honest with yourself and say, man, you know, pinpoint those weaknesses. Uh, do you have a temper? Do you, do you have an anger problem? Do you eat too much? Do you gossip? Do you worry? All these things. you got to complete this examination in your life and pinpoint. I mean, really target into your weak areas of your life and put in those disciplines. Think about those Bible verses that you're violating and by not practicing self-discipline what, what are some areas that you try to win in those problem areas of your life you know you got to tackle your weakness confronted with a specific plan you know confronted confronted with a plan of action you got to write down these goals and say you know what god i want to improve in my prayer life what does it need to take okay i'm going to get up in the morning you write it down Six o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up. This is my prayer time. And you start off small and you go, you know what? I'm going to do half an hour. Not even that, I'm going to do 15 minutes. Because what you end up doing is you start self-disciplining yourself in these small areas. And it's in the small areas where you begin to now develop these disciplines. 
Little successes lead to bigger victories. I'm telling you, when you begin to get up in the morning and you discipline, I'm telling you, you know what happens to discipline? It turns to devotion. But devotion doesn't come from just completely, oh yeah, man, he's just gifted. Oh, he's a, no, he disciplined himself to pray. She disciplined himself. Oh, he's just been blessed with massive biceps, six pack. No, no, he disciplined himself in how he eat, how he eats, how he eat, how he eats, how he has a diet. He disciplines. She is a discipline. And I'm telling you, we think, oh, everything comes down to, uh, you know, a talent and, oh, he's just gifted by God or she's gifted by God with it. No, it is a skill that's learned through self-discipline. Small steps lead to bigger steps. Get out of bed early in the morning. Pay your tithes on time. Pay the bill on time. Hang up your clothes. Oh, am I preaching to somebody tonight? Arrive on service on time. Discipline. Begin to put things in motion. Amen. The, the altar call is coming up soon. It's okay. Sit and see. And we need to fill our minds with positive challenges from God's word. We need to fill our minds with these things. You know, Psalms 119, 97 says, how I love your teaching. It is my meditation all day long. You got to love God's word. You got to get in his word and say, God, I need you to teach me how to live because the way I'm living is wrong. And the way I keep going back into emotions is wrong. God, I need you to teach me. And listen, he says, it is my meditation all day long. Marinate, meditate, meditate. You got to get in his word and think about and ponder. God, is this what your word is saying? And you pray about these things. And you watch over time. You know what? You're going to see over time. You look back and you're like, wow, it's all because of self-discipline. Another thing is, you know what? Don't be too hard of it on yourself because you, you will fail sometimes. And most of the time when people fail their disciplines, they think, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it in. I failed. I failed miserably. I'm done. Listen, don't. Michael Jordan took so many shots. He missed the championship games. He took so many shots. Miss, miss, miss. But listen, it didn't stop him from being a part of the team. Listen, you're a part of God's team tonight. Don't give up. Don't throw in your towel because of a, a little you know, hiccup that you've had. Don't throw everything in because, you know what, you went good with your discipline. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself down. Get up again. The righteous man falls seven times. He gets back up. Listen, we need to hope in the God of our salvation. He is the God that gives us strength. Can you say amen? He's the God, the Alpha and Omega, that wants us to live throughout this life, not dependent on our emotions. Not, you know what, so hypersensitive disciples now, you know what, just totally quiet and reserved. Oh, man, listen, we need to be going forward. Set these things in place so that way, you know what, your victories, those areas that you can have, you can begin to move forward in your life. And God moves you into an area. Listen, from now, this natural area where you've been putting disciplines in, God moves you into a supernatural area an element of anointing where before you were functioning in your flesh, before you were functioning in your emotions, you move from your natural state into a supernatural state where you're walking in the spirit and telling God brings an anointing and it's the anointing of God that begins to break the yoke of bondage. It's the spirit of God that begins to move upon a disciple. It's the spirit of God that begins to move upon because I'm telling you, you can have someone who's all religious and does all the right things, but without the spirit of God, it's all just mechanics. We need it more than just to be mechanical. We need the supernatural at work. Can you say amen?
Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Very simple message. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So many things you can go through in that verse. Talk about insecurities because a city broken down without walls as insecurities. Amen. We need to be disciples that have rule over our own emotions. Don't be so hypersensitive, especially in this generation that we live in. Disciples need to grow and mature. I'm telling you, it begins when you be disciplined in your life. If you're a disciple and you know you keep throwing tantrums here and there, and look yourself in the mirror. Ask God to change you. Ask God to reveal things to you. Why are you acting like that? Why are you reacting like that? Why are you responding? Ask God, God, show me. How, how can I deal with these things? Because we need to learn how to respond to life's difficulties in a way that glorifies God, not gratifies your flesh. Tonight, I want to give an invitation. We do this every service because God knows our hearts. You're here tonight and God is pulling on your heart. You're hearing this message and you're like, man, I, I'm, I've been living in my flesh the whole time. I've been living my own ways the whole, whole, whole long, all all along and you want to change you, you've even said it to yourself man how do I change you even question man God are you real you've asked him God if, if you're there you know I, would you send a sign would you do something listen tonight tonight's the night search no more accept Jesus in your life and let him come into your heart give you eternal life you're here tonight the Bible says you know any man being Christ he is a new creation listen you want to be a new creation it starts with giving your life with Jesus you want to be a new person again and just you know what man how can I get listen it starts with Jesus you got to give it over surrender your heart surrender your life and say Jesus I want you in my life for God so loved the world the Bible says that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The bad news is, friend, we're all destined for a devil's hell. Without Jesus, we're all destined for destruction. We're, dri we're driving down a road, and at the end of this road is total destruction. But someone is yelling out, hey, take the turn, take the exit. This is the road that leads to a destruction. This is my message to you tonight. Take the exit. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed the next day. The Bible says life is but a vapor. Listen, Jesus spoke about heaven and hell, and he spoke more about hell than he did heaven. Where will you spend eternity, my brother, my sister? Where will you spend eternity when you pass from this life to the next? And you're here tonight, and you feel God reaching out to you, even pulling on your heart, saying, take the exit, accept Christ in your life tonight. If that's you, aren't you doing one simple thing? Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Amen. God bless you. I see this hand. Anyone else? Tonight's the night. You say, yep, that's me. This is just between you and God. No one else is looking around. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want Him to come into your heart. You want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Lift up your hand. Say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. 
I want to be forgiven. I see that hand. I see these hands lifted. Anyone else want to join us on his hearts? You say, yep, that's me. Pray for me. I want Christ. I want Jesus in my life. I want to be a new creation. Lift it up tonight. Let God come in and change you from the inside out. It's not about coming to church. It's not about being religious. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight, you're not saved. You're not right with the Lord. Lift up your hand with these honest hearts and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I need Christ. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you've gone back to the vomit. Maybe you've gone back to your old ways. Put down your pride. Lift up your hand. Say, yes. That's me. Pray for me, please. I need Jesus in my life. Backslider, lift it up all across this place. My brother, my sister, God loves you. He wants to come into your life and give you a new start. He wants to give you eternal life. My brothers who lift up your hand. Amen, you meant that? Come, come. Amen. Amen. If I can get two brothers to come and pray for the men here in this place. God bless you. Hemi and Dave are going to pray for you. Just yeah, kneel down right here at the altar. But these guys are going to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Turning to the church. I felt so, you know, as a reminder, just these last couple of days, you know what? If we're going to grow spiritually, we need to put in some spiritual disciplines. Even when it's looking at ourselves, dealing with the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we need self-discipline. These altars are open. Let's come and find a place to pray. God wants to change us. God wants to help us move into the area of the supernatural. But are you willing to put some disciplines in place? Let's pray tonight. These altars are open. Won't you come and find a place to pray? Jesus, help us, Lord God. Minister upon our lives and our minds, Lord Jesus. Transform us, renew us, Lord God. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you. Spend as long as you need at this altar. Don't go back to your seats. Just stay right here at the altar.
we stand and let's sing out the song. You are Alpha. And you are Alpha. Lift up your voice, sing it again. We 